Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning. Welcome again to Coastal. Um, like Pastor Scott said, I hope everyone had an awesome uh, Christmas. Hopefully it was a relaxing time uh, with friends and family. Uh, maybe not for you, I'm not sure. Uh, but at least you had a couple days off work, hopefully. So uh, that's always fun. Right? But um, I was actually thinking, I think it was Christmas Eve that it hit me. Um, I'm not sure, maybe it hasn't hit you, or maybe it has, and I'm just being dumb. Like, this decade is over. Like, in a couple days, we are out of the 2010s and on to the 2020s, and that's just mind-blowing to me, because um, I actually started the 20s, it's going to, probably, a couple of you are going to get mad. People have gotten mad when I said this up until now, but like, so I started this decade, 2010, graduating from high school. Like, 2010 was graduation from high school for me, and now here, I don't know why everyone gets mad about that, but they seem to. Uh, but now wife and kid, it's just crazy. I'm sure a lot has changed for you over the last 10 years, you know, whether it's uh, family, relationships, uh, jobs and friends, highs and lows, good times and bad times. Uh, and you can really say the same thing like year to year, right? Not just decade to decade. Lots of things change throughout the years. Um, and that's kind of what we do at the end of the year. Right? We look back on what happened uh, this past year in 2019. A lot of times here at Coastal, we do like a, a year in review uh, we just look back and kind of evaluate how the year went. And, um, you know, it just got me thinking how much we've come, how far we've come, not only this past year, but this past decade. You know, in 2010, as a church here, our church, we were actually meeting over in that old building. We were running like two to 300 people uh, on a good Sunday. Like our Easter of 2010, we had 473 people. And this year, we're, we're planning for 2,000. It's kind of crazy how far we come. This same Sunday, the Sunday after uh, Christmas in 2010, there was 150 uh, people here, and that includes uh, kids, right? So it's insane how far we've come. And for those that don't know my, uh, my story too well, I actually grew up at Coastal. So I've been coast, coming to Coastal my entire life. I've been able to see, you know, a lot of things happen, you know, good and bad. I remember when the church was all, all these different portable locations that you probably heard us talk about I remember when we did get into the old building and then all the changes that kind of happened uh, over there. And then I remember when we started this project to build this building. And uh, kind of a funny story, uh, when we started this building, started building this building, uh, my wife and I were actually engaged, uh, getting married. And um, I wasn't working at the church yet. Um, my wife had just started MUSC, I think, and we were trying to pay for our wedding. So we were looking for basically any way to make extra money to pay for our wedding. And so we actually did a bunch of small jobs like in the building process of this building. Um, like, actually, there's like a, a big pipe that runs underneath this whole slab that goes from the tech booth up to the um, stage where all the wires run. We actually dug the trench for that and put the pipe in there. Uh, we used to come, like, every couple weeks and pick up all the trash and debris like, left over from the job sites. So we always joked that this building, like, paid for part of our wedding. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, we, we joke about it. A lot really has changed. And honestly, I think one of the greatest things, again, I've been coming to Coastal my entire life, 27 years, and we've seen a lot of awesome things. But I'm not sure I've personally seen anything as cool as what happened this past year uh, with Daring Faith. Uh, Daring Faith was just a miraculous thing that happened. Um, I've been a part of a lot of different campaigns and things that happened. I've seen, I was a little young, but seen all the different giving campaigns that we've done. Uh, I've been a part of, you know, Love Can and One and all of these things. But Daring Faith just seemed to be different. Like to see our, our entire church come together, every single person in unity. Right, to see all of our small groups come together and, and study the same material, uh, to see everyone get together on Sunday and study that same material in a, you know, a large group setting. 
to see families come together with you know, coloring books and, and coin jars, right? to come together and, and sacrifice and mission. It was something that really will define this church uh, for years to come. You know, it, it, just think about it. It was, it was and, and still is a special time. Not only did we raise a bunch of money, like not only to raise money to, to build this new building, which is awesome, but a lot of other things happened. Like we were able to, to help more people in our community than ever before. We were able to reach out to more people in our community than ever before. I don't know if you noticed, but like we went for a stretch during Daring Faith, almost the entirety of Daring Faith, where we were baptizing people every single week. Like that's what we're about here at Costa, but there's just something different about seeing people come you know, week after week and, and step forward and profess their faith in front of everyone. You know, it's funny, we actually, um, our baptism kind of sits over in the corner, and then each week we, we bring it out and we prep it, kind of like for, first Sunday we prep it like Friday and Saturday, and then on Monday, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday we'll, you know, take it back over there. And so we'd always take it back over there, and then never fails, a couple days later I get a text or a call, another baptism this week, another baptism this week, we pull it back out and move it. There's a lot of move. We actually, no lie, we, we worked that baptism so hard over during faith that we actually burned out the pump in it. Right? So it's still so the pump isn't working right now, but we'll have, we actually got the pump in the back, and that will probably be the most amazingly or annoyingly satisfying task, we'll be changing that pump out. Uh, but we're glad to do it, and it's just an awesome time. It, that's, again, that's what we're all about here at Coastal. God was and is moving here at Coastal. And it's because of the unity that, that came from the campaign, everyone getting together for a single purpose. You know, we are going to be able to forever change Charleston, South Carolina because of what we are doing here, and it's just incredible. But it got me thinking, just, like, just imagine with me, what if we took it a step further? And, like, what if this unity that came from Daring Faith wasn't just a three or a four, you know, a five or a six-month thing? What if it wasn't just a three-year commitment? Imagine if it wasn't just us. Imagine if it was you know, Christians and, and churches all over Charleston. Imagine if it was Christian churches all over the world actually coming together in unity. I'd imagine what could happen in the kingdom of God if we all came together like this with the sole mission of glorifying him. And what's funny is that Christians and church leaders have been praying for this basically since the beginning of, you know, since the beginning. Right? The apostle Paul actually prayed for this exact same thing in Romans 15. He said, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, I see one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So in order to glorify God, in order to bring praise to him and all that he does, we must have one mind, one voice. We must accept each other as, as Christ accepted us. And we'll kind of dive into the, in this a little bit later in just a minute. But what does that mean, right? What did, did, did he accept us with conditions? No, did he accept, accept us with, you know, a lack of love or grace? No, if he did, we'd all be screwed. Right? We are supposed to accept each other as Jesus. We were supposed to treat each other, think about each other, value each other, live out our lives with each other as Jesus loved us. Right? With one mind and one voice bringing glory to God. This is unity. That's what we're talking about today. This is togetherness. And, and we know they're important because one, like of how many times it's referenced in the Bible, like the idea of unity. 
In the New Testament, the idea of unity is actually referenced more than heaven and hell. Like, that's how important it was. And then not only that, but the fact that these important people were praying for it. Paul himself was praying for it. And in his original prayer, wasn't the only one. Jesus Christ himself, actually right before he was about to die, prayed for pretty much the exact same thing. Right? And you know, if the apostle Paul's praying for it, and Jesus Christ is praying for it, and, and right before Jesus Christ died, he's praying for it, it's probably pretty important. And this prayer, it's in John uh, 17. It's kind of like a whole summary of the entire gospel of John. Right? And so it's like a summary of the whole gospel with the key theme being the unity of people based on the model of Jesus Christ and his relationship with his Father in heaven. And so it's John chapter 17, 20 through 23. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them, here you go, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So we are to be one just as Jesus Christ is with his Father. And then it says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be as one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And this is, and then the world will know that you have sent me and, that, and have loved them even as you love me. Like, it doesn't get any more clear than that. Paul prayed for unity. Jesus Christ prayed for unity. He did it right before he died. And why? So that people will know that they are loved and come to Christ. That's the goal. That's the mission. And if we are united, if we are united in, in purpose and mission and passion and motivation, if we are united together and in our Heavenly Father, then there is nothing we can't do for the glory of God. Unity is the key here. And really, it's not just the key for, you know, the church, the church body. It's the key for a lot of things. Like unity, like being on the same page is a symbol for not just, you know, a church, but anywhere that there's really more than one person trying to get something accomplished. Does that make sense? Like marriage, families, jobs, teams. You ever know anyone that was married but, but wasn't unified in that marriage? Probably not married anymore, Right? Or how about parents that, you know, not unified in the raising of kids? Not too good, right? All that leads to is, is broken homes and damaged children. Or how about a job, you know, where there's no unity? That's probably, it's an ineffective one, right? A team that isn't unified in, the, in, the, in their mission to win the game, probably not going to win a lot of games. Being unified for a purpose that you're trying to carry out is key. And um, so I kind of mentioned earlier, um, well, before I worked at the church, um, I wasn't working when, you know, we were getting married and everything. I actually worked out at Middleton Plantation, and I worked with carriage horses out there. And um, I know a lot of you pictures like downtown, but for us, it was, we had these massive Belgian draft horses that are like literally like up to here on me. Their head's like another 10 feet up. They weigh like 10,000, I don't even know, pounds. Like their hooves are dinner plates. Um, and so we have two of them pulling a carriage. And we have like a 12-seater and a 14-seater carriage. And you want to talk about unity being important. When you get two bajillion pound animals that are supposed to be pulling 12 people down a road, if they are not unified, you are in trouble, right? Like the biggest job I think I had most of the time was picking the teams that would go together. Like we kind of had different teams. And I'll tell you, so we had like a, a team called named, their two names were Samson and Doc. And then we had another team that was Captain and Colonel. We had Rick and Jay and May and June, right? 
and you had to pair them up right. So like with Samson and Doc, Samson, based on the name, giant horse, hardest working horse there ever was. And then Doc was the laziest dude I've ever seen, right? Just like slump back. And, and so you put them together because they, they grew up together actually in another place and, and they knew that each other, they could get along. And then one time, like we put Samson with a colonel and colonel acts like colonel. And so, or not Samson, sorry, Doc. And so you got this lazy dude and colonel who's another hard worker. And what happens is you're sitting on the carriage and Doc's here and colonel's here. And they, you tell him to go, and, and Doc does one of these, and Colonel jumps forward, and, and the Colonel gets mad at Doc, and he tries to bite him, and then you end up going this way, and then you're, you're just off the road, and it's not a unified front, and you're in trouble. You're trying to explain to people, oh, I just wanted to come look at this tree to tell you about this when I'm supposed to. It's, you're in trouble, right? Unity is vital. Unity is vital to the success of so much, first and foremost, in our lives, the glorification of God. But we know most of the time that isn't the case, right? Like unity is not something that is too prevalent uh, in our culture today. Like we are quite possibly the most broken, divided world that has ever existed. Right on everything from like stupid things like ice cream flavors and college football teams to, to politics, religion, ethical issues. Like there are things that you're like, there's no way that we could be divided. Like, like murder is wrong. Like everyone knows that. But then there's that one person who's like, nah, nah, it's all good. You know? Like we are divided on absolutely everything. And sadly, this is, you know, no more the case than, than with, you know, religion. All of us Christians, we find a way to be divided, whether it's through uh, specific beliefs or practices, denominations, style of worship, whatever it is, we are divided. And why is this? Why is a group of people who claim to love Jesus and love his people and want nothing more than to glorify him, why are we so disconnected? I think it's actually a kind of simple answer. It's a case of a mistaken enemy. We have a mistaken enemy. That's why there's no unity within the body of Christ today. You know, we're too busy fighting the wrong enemy. The Bible says that there is one true enemy. One enemy who seeks to destroy the kingdom of God and have people pass away from this life without ever knowing the love and acceptance provided by God. It's Satan, right? The Bible says the devil is the enemy, the one true enemy, that his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. His mission is to infiltrate and cause division within the body of Christ. And he does that because he knows that a unified front is an impenetrable one. Right? He knows that a unified one is one of the most powerful tools for saving lives. That's why Jesus Christ himself prayed for it right before he was about to die. And the devil attacks us hard because he knows that a lack of unity is going to destroy us. And so what we do is instead of focusing on the true enemy, like we're too worried about the Christians down the street. We're too worried about the Christians sitting two rows behind us. We might even be too worried about the Christian sitting next to you. Right? We're too worried about the wrong enemy. We're too interested in enhancing and expanding the division through what we call you know, being right and letting everybody else know about it. It leads to division. But imagine if we took all of that effort, all of the effort and the energy that we put into causing division, imagine if we focused that, all came together and focused that on our common enemy. What could happen? Like, everyone knows that the best relationships are formed between a mutual dislike of someone else, right? That's how it works in our world. It's the same thing here, honestly. So what if, 
Right? What if we did create a unified front with the sole purpose of preaching God's love to every single person and dragging people back from an eternity of separation from God? What if? I think it sounds pretty good. But in order to do that, there are a couple of things we have to understand. And so real quick this morning, I want to give you two overall things. Like first, what is involved in unity? What are the necessities to obtain unity? And then why we even really need unity as it pertains to glorifying God. So first off, number one, necessity of unity, the thing that we need to obtain unity is humility. We're just going to go ahead and kick it off with the, with the easiest one, right? I know a bunch of you already just turned off when I said the word humility, being humble. But for people to come together and unify, to come together in unity, there has to be a humbling. And basically what I mean is that we are all choosing to lay down our own interests and desires and things and ideas and cultures and whatever it is to accomplish something bigger than ourselves. Right? To accomplish the goal that is above all other goals. And we'll look at this verse in just a minute, but the Bible talks about us all being like parts of a body, all working together for a single purpose. Right? In humility, we have to put the greater good of the kingdom of God ahead of our own. There can never be a unified body without a collective humility. But then humility also has a flip side. Right? With humility or, or being humble... Right? The presence of humility also recognizes the significance of all the gifts that we bring to the table. Right? Unity is not uniformity. Right? Humility is the pushing, of the, the pushing aside of the desire for everyone else to be like us and act like us and sound like us and look like us. But it recognizes the differences that we all have that make our unity so effective. Again, we're all just parts of the body and without each other, we would, we would die. We'd be ineffective. We would not accomplish our goal. So humility, incredibly important. The second thing that's necessary for unity is trust. Another easy one, right? There has to be a trust within the church family in order to achieve the results that we are all striving for. And here's why. Because trust creates the culture. Right? By having trust in one another, by having trust in the church as a whole, by having trust in church leaders, we're not going around and looking over our shoulder to see who's coming to get us. We're not worried about when, you know, when am I going to get mine. We trust that we are all in it together, all a part of the body of Christ in the specific goal of reaching lost people with the gospel. And that's it, really. It's as simple as that. We have to be able to trust one another. Y'all know this, you've been in relationships without trust. You know how just, just hard, hurtful, and damaging that can be. Some of you have been in jobs with employees where there's no trust, and, and you know how just you know, ineffective and unproductive and pointless that is. Some of you may be even struggling you know, so hard that inwardly right, that you don't trust yourself, you don't trust your own decision-making. And you know how just like foundationally shattering that can be. It's the same thing. Trust is a necessity for unity within the body of Christ in order to accomplish the, uh, the purpose for which God created it. So we have to have humility. We have to have trust. The last thing we have to have is purpose. And I say purpose because it's kind of the nicer word that I can think of, you know, a good summary word. 
But by purpose, I mean, we have to have guts. We have to have grit and tenacity and courage and determination and motivation and whatever it takes attitude. Right? For true unity to take place, there has to be a purpose that is driving us all forward. There has to be something in us that is just lighting and stoking our fire that's making us you know, push aside all complacency and casualness and make us go, there are eternal lives at stake and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to, to pull people back from eternity in hell. Being eternally separated from God. It's the understanding that there are real stakes at play. People's lives hang in the balance. And really this purpose is kind of the balance between humility and trust. Right? The fact that we all have this purpose driving us and the fact that we have trust in one another allows us to, in humility and in love, hold people accountable to the mission. Right? The purpose, the guts, the grit, the resolve is vital to the unity of God's church, of his people. And so that's what we have to have to obtain unity. We need humility, we need trust, we need purpose. But why do we need it again? Why do we need, why do we need this unity? You know, the Bible says that we have to have unity to, to show people the way, to show people Jesus, and that should be good enough. Right? We should be able to take that at face value, but for a lot of us, that's not how we work. And so why do we need unity in our, in our practical, everyday lives? Why do we need to be together in a church body with a group of you know, disciples following Jesus to accomplish and glorify God? And so the, reasons, the first reason that we have to strive for unity is that we desperately need each other. Right? We desperately need each other. Romans 12, 3-5, this is that verse talking about the body. It says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgments in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of us. That's what we're talking about earlier. It's all of us acting as members of the body with different functions. Again, unity is not the same as uniformity. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses and our differences. And these differences are actually what allow us to be so affecting and reaching people, accomplishing our goal of bringing people to Christ. We don't all have to act like each other. We don't all have to look like the person next to us. We don't have to look at them and say, oh, they're doing this well, so I need to do that as well. We don't have to make it our mission and life to get people to act and look and conduct themselves as we do. Because that really does seem to be a major emphasis in the world today. But you know, we don't have to, to push other people down to build ourselves up. We don't have to say, oh, you're not doing that as well as I am, so obviously I'm better. I'm more valuable. Right? And it's not just person to person, right? It's Christian to Christian. It's, it's church to church. And here's a, here's a not-so-secret secret. Right? God made it so that Coastal Community Church would be right here, right now, because that's what he wanted. Right? He wanted us to be coastal. He didn't want us to be any other church. There's a ton of churches in Charleston, a ton of great churches. But we're not worried about what church we aren't. We're just trying to be who God made us to be. 
And that's the same message for you. A church full of individual people just trying to be who God created them to be will result in a church body doing the same thing. I think about it, we've kind of already said it, but it takes all different kinds of people to reach all different kinds of people. It takes all different kinds of churches to reach all different kinds of people. Right? The, the church down the road, the church out the street, whatever it is that you think is crazy, right? they're the church that's going to reach the crazy people out there. Right? The church that you think is just a bunch of weirdos, they're going to be the ones that reach the weirdos that you don't want to reach. Right? It takes all different types of people, all different types of churches. Right? There, there are all these people and all these churches out there, and they can be effective in ways that you or I can't. We need each other. We need each other to get through life. Right? That's why our life groups are so awesome. Right? You want to be in a life group and, and, and you have some, you can find, you know, you can start a life group where you study God's word and, and do taxidermy. And you can find the two or three other people that want to do that. And you can make a life group, right? I'm not saying it'll get approved, but you can try. You can find those other people. We need each other to build our faith. We need each other to strengthen our understanding. We need each other to reach lost people. Because no matter how weird you think someone is, no matter how different you think that other church is, unless they are like blatantly sinning and just you know, speaking and, and presenting a message completely outside of God's word, we need them. And here at Coastal, we have, we actually have a little saying. It's actually uh, on our website. It's that in essential beliefs, we have unity. In non-essential beliefs, we have diversity. In all of our beliefs, we promote love. Right, you see, all of us Christians, we have one thing in common. And that's no matter what style we worship or how we preach or what our buildings look like, we are all worshiping God and attempting to further his kingdom. So that's why we need each other. We need each other. And that's why we need unity. The second thing, the second reason we should strive for unity is that it will show the world God's love. A unified body of believers will show the world God's love. Romans 15, 7. At the end of that verse, or passage we looked at earlier, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Right, accept is an interesting word here. And in our mind, accept, you know, oh, I accept you, right? You're over there, I accept you. That's, that's fine. Accept in the original Greek language means to actually receive them into your arms and then embrace them. And then it actually takes it a step further and it says, Accept is, is, you know, receive them, bring them into your arms, and then walk hand in hand with them. Right, so think about this. This passage we're looking at, it's saying accept each other as Christ accepted us. Cool. How did Christ accept us? Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before anything else, before we ever became good enough, before we ever improved or worked on any aspect of our lives, God not only accepted us, but died on the cross for us. Yet we shun people who, who have a you know, choir and an organ and don't use guitars and a keyboard. Or we shun people who wear t-shirts and shorts to church instead of a suit and tie. Whatever it is. And here's something else to think about. You know, when you see you know, whether it's a, a person, uh, a church, an organization, a group of people, a school, whatever it is that you either don't like or you are unsure about or just questioning of, what is the first thing you look for? 
like something to criticize, right? Something that they are doing wrong. In your mind, they're then going to have a reputation for doing that thing that you think is wrong. As the church is the same exact way. I'd be willing to bet that in most places in the world, the church probably does not have a great reputation. And that's because of the division the hate, the lack of grace and acceptance. And it's not a lack of grace and acceptance on people outside of the church. It's the people in the church. Right? The so-called Christ-following disciples that decide to spend all their time hating on everyone else. That's the first thing people see when they see the church. We have to change our reputation. We have to have love and acceptance be the first thing that people think about when they think of the church. They have to see love as the first thing that they think about when they come into contact with us. That's, that's who we strive to be here at Coastal. We have to be known more for what we're for than what we're against. We have to be different from this world to make a difference in this world. We have to be known not as people against everyone else, but those that are for people knowing and being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. John 13, 34 through 35 says, a new command I give you. It says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Stop there real quick. How many times can you say love in a really short sentence? Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. And then 35, the end of that verse is so crazy. You know, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And then he just throws in another if you love one another. By this, he says to love people. And by this, not by the way you worship, not by what you wear on Sunday, not by what version of the Bible that you read or what your building looks like, by loving one another. By the way that you love one another, everyone else will know that you are my disciples. You know, in the Bible, there's only one description or, or, or method that Christ says people will know, by which people will know that we are his followers. And I promise he didn't write down that it's how loud our worship is. He said it's through the way we love one another, the way that we serve one another, the way that we give to one another. That's what will show the world God's love. So that's the second reason to strive for unity. The third and last one is because when we are unified, we can do so much more. When we are unified front, we can do so much more. As let me tell you something you already know, we live in a broken world. We live in a sinful, broken world in desperate need of hope in desperate need of a savior. And now let me tell you something else you probably know, but you often forget. The church, right? this church, churches all over the world through Jesus Christ are the hope for this world. They are the hope because they point all together towards the one and only savior, Jesus Christ. So as a unified group, we are the hope of the world. No pressure, right? We are the hope of the world. And so how do we be the hope? We leverage every single thing we have for others. We give and give in order to do whatever we need to do to reach the people around us. Right? Our neighbors, uh, our coworkers, our friends, our family, strangers, everybody with a pulse. 
we leverage all that we have for the furthering of God's kingdom. And we do that together. Together we give all that we have. Because while we can do some good on our own, we can do you know, some good as small groups of people, we can do infinitely more as a unified body in Christ. We can share the gift of his love and his grace more than you could ever dream. And this is how it's worked since the very beginning of the church. At the very beginning of the church, from, you know, from the very first time when they had no nice buildings, they had no cafe with free coffee, right? they had no children's building, they had no offices or technological tools or projectors or whatever. You know what they did have in the first church? Mass persecution, right? They had mass persecution. They had poverty. They had hate. They had oppression and racism. But you know what they did? They came together. They came together and gave everything they had to the furthering of God's kingdom, and now the church is what it is today. We want to be like those people. We want to build something in this community that can make a difference for years and years to come. Here's what we really want. We want to be the group of people that someone outside of the group goes, you know what, I don't know about all the stuff they're teaching. I don't know about uh, all that worship or God. I don't know about following Jesus. But I know that they love each other. I know that they love all people. I know that they love me. Because you know what that leads to? I wonder why. And that leads to Jesus. Acts 4 says all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Like, that's love, right? Stopping right there. Most of us can't even get to that level. I'm not going to pretend I'm anywhere near that level of giving up all of my stuff, right? But that's real love. And, and here's the result of that, the end of that passage. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. The result of that kind of love is that there were no needy people among them. Think about that. God met all the needs of people through his church when those people saw themselves as not individuals or individual Christians, but a family of people who come together to love one another. Do you have any idea what we could accomplish in this world if people thought about us like that? Psalm 133.1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Right? Behold how good it is. We want people to say, I don't know about Jesus coming back from the dead I don't know about heaven and hell. I don't know about singing and praying, but I know the love that these people are showing is amazing. The way that they give and serve and love and accept is otherworldly. That's what we want people to start off saying. Do you know the doors that would open to people seeing and not just, not just, not just hearing, but seeing the message of Christ lived out if we came together and acted like that? Because a lot of people in the world, they don't just need to, to, to hear the gospel. They need to see it lived out. They need to experience the love of Jesus lived out. 
So what could we do like that? What would happen if we came together like that? To show that kind of love. If we came together to show a love so great that the only answer that people could possibly come up with for how we are loving so well is that Jesus Christ is in them, is alive in them. That's who we try to be here at Coastal. That's why we do what we do. We want to come together and truly change the world in the name of Christ. And coming together, being unified, unified in this church, in this city, this state, this country, across the world, that's the only way it can be done. Last you real quick, Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. As all Jesus Christ wants from you is to do whatever you can. To give it all, to make every effort to be unified because real lives are staked in not just 70, 80 year lives, but people's eternities. If we don't come together as the body of Christ to reach lost people, there will be people who spend an eternity separated from him. They could be strangers in another country. They could be strangers in Charleston. They could be your neighbors, your friends. They could be your family, your spouse. It could even be you this morning. If you haven't made that decision to join the family of God, if you want to become part of this family, if you want to unify with other Christ followers to change the world, it's just as simple as a prayer. And so we pray with you this morning. Father God, we just thank you for this uh, chance to come together as a group of uh, believers, non-believers, skeptics, whatever it is, God, to come together and to look at your word and see all the good that you do for us. God, help us to see all this good and realize that the only way we can take it and give it to other people is to be a unified front. To come together not in a spirit of, of hate and division and lack of love and grace and acceptance, but to love all people as you loved us to make loving one another the top priority and to know that when we love so well, people have no choice but to say, why is that happening? And they'll see that Jesus, that you are alive in us and that you are making the difference in this world. Now, there are a lot of people here this morning that probably haven't, you know, jumped into that, to this unified body. And, And it sounds good to them and they're ready to do that this morning. They're ready to accept you God, something to pray that, that, Jesus, I know you are the reason that, that I have everything I have. I know that you are the way that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for me so that I may be a part of this forever family. So that I may have an eternity with you and not separated from you and, and, and all these bad things that can come from, from not being in a relationship with you. That by knowing you and loving you and having this relationship, I am loved, I am accepted. And now it's my job to, to show that to other people. God, so we thank you for, for all that you do, for the, for the chance to be a unified body and just help us to do that in every single thing that we do day in and day out. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.